2: I know what he was doing up so late. Is it pumping? Hold up. Hold up. Do we have a little pump happening
1: here?
0: What is this? A yeah. pump for ants?
1: Hold yeah. up. A little bit. I think we have 500 bucks, and so we're just leaving. was little, up watching a little, a that little, video little, he posted over and over again. That's
3: what
4: he was doing up late. <laughs> I think you just wanted to say pump for ants. Because you know.
1: For reasons. No, I mean it is. Uh, it is it is way up 500. not bad. Not bad. So the sun is racing uh over uh Los Angeles right now. Uh Where are you at in the world and as much as you can say without doxing? He's in Texas, you cuck
0: because <laughs> <laughs> that's what friends do is they dox each other on, on twitter
2: let's see so yeah we got a little pump uh looks like we are still down uh on the year 46 percent uh, we're down 67 percent from the all-time high uh let's see Hmm, hey, the last two
5: Wait, what do you mean we're down on the year? Are not we up year to date, or you mean like a year ago? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like 365 oh, okay. day count, like okay. one year. You know, so we're
5: still
3: we're still in a bull market. That's what you're saying, right? We're still <laughs> yeah. in a bull. Nice.
2: Well, I mean, 200 day. See, this is where it starts to starts to trickle back. So, 200 day. You know, the change percentage is four point like down four point eight percent. So, you know, there's like a little pickup. Then you go to the uh, let's see. To the seven day, it's two point down two point five percent, and then the fourteen day, it's down one point eight percent. You see this little trend, but then you pop in this little thirty day, and it's up eight point eight percent. So you know. And what's
1: uh, with all the you trying to put me back to sleep. I just I woke up, man.
2: <laughs> you guys like these numbers early on, early, early to wake up. You gotta- get these numbers brand you're the one that brought up the fact that we're pumping you know got to try to figure out this pump
1: (laughs) no absolutely that's
3: true this is is just a bull market bounce that's all it is we're all good it's going to come back down my cheap stats that i've been stacking for the last six months are going to get cheaper again that's all i care about i'm class of 2021 I bought into this thing, you know, in the mainly from the from the 30s all the way to the 60s and back to the 30s. And you know what? I had my opportunity. I've had my opportunity to buy sub 20 K sats and I bought a lot of them, damn it. And I'm going to keep buying more as long as this bull market keeps going.
1: I love it. I love it. Hey, just want to say hi real quick to Nico hiding behind. uh the, the the swan handle there, because um, I know you're probably not allowed to talk, Nico, but uh, hey, man, how's, how's it going? How's Miami?
6: Man, Miami's awesome. Just recently moved to Miami Beach. Really, really enjoying it. Very expensive, but uh, it's interesting because I was going to move, um, but I don't know. I guess destiny called me to stay in Miami, which is not always a bad thing, but... I did grow up here, so maybe a change of scenery would have been good. But uh, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm really excited for the for the pleb
1: party uh, around the Bitcoin conference. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, I wasn't even trying to like work that into the conversation, but now that we are here, no, I'm kidding. Um, so Miami Beach, huh? Life of a baller.
6: I don't know, man. It's uh the circumstances called for it, but uh but it, it's interesting because I grew up here and now I'm back. Uh it's just funny how life works.
1: Yeah, yeah. I so are you South Beach or North Beach or Mid Beach or East uh, Beach or
6: North Beach. North Beach. I do I can't do South Beach anymore, bro. Uh this too I, I can't do that. I live there for like what? Fifteen
0: years of my life, <laughs> literally, like more, than, like you about half. You lived in my South life. Beach for fifteen years. Good God, man!
6: Dude, it was. I saw a lot of
0: things. I would imagine that ex- that actually explains some things, right
1: there. Did those things come in lines and were white? <laughs> <laughs> oh so. man!
2: Yeah, Nico. Maybe I was your bartender at some point you know i used to live in miami beach also and i bartended like several of those places uh on like eighth and ocean and like down on fifth and ocean like a bunch of those different places i was moving around during like my early college days maybe know? uh you know maybe i served you up you never know
0: and was a freaking bartender in south Beach. there's all kinds of cool things coming out to do.
1: Yeah, where's a fire emoji when you need a? Ant was bartending South Beach. I need a fire emoji. See, Anders, you don't need to dox Ant. He does it to himself all the
3: time. Every day on this show, he's doing it.
2: yeah i'm sure uh, i was the only bartender in south beach during a uh relatively recent but undefined period in time do, do you notice do you notice how he's now trying to undox
3: himself he's trying to obfuscate his uh his past not going to work Ant. the 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 algorithms are already on you dude
2: that's it you're cut off get out of the bar <laughs> No, but that was my favorite part of bartending. With, well, two parts. My favorite part of bartending was cutting people off, believe it or not. It's like a little power trip, but it's not about the power trip. It's like these guys come in there and they act like animals sometimes. And you got to, you got, you know, you, you that's like part, it goes with the territory. You got to protect the place. You got to protect the organization. You got to protect the guests. And so that's just, that's a part of it. Every now and then you get to flex and there's kind of like this, uh, you know, like, wild wild west almost because like even the police that are at the door like they're on your side (laughs) it's uh so that part's pretty fun and then and then also just like you know like like basically like partying all night i mean that that part's always awesome but there was so i don't get like all hung up on celebrities that's never really been like my thing but in miami beach there's a ton of them and they always just come into the bar and it's just one of those things like you're gonna be waiting tables or you're going to be like you know behind the bar and next thing you know you look up and you're going to have like you know some celebrity sitting at your bar it's like you know whatever but i did see one time and so you can actually measure like these stars like drawing power and whatever it does to like the general population it's pretty funny to watch but one star in particular like took the cake and what i mean is i've never seen anything like it and, like, probably never will, but, again, but, literally, like, if you're ever on South Beach, on the outside, like, they have the inside, but then they have Ocean Drive, and there's all these, like, tables and crap outside, it's loud as hell, like, there's forks clanging, and everybody's talking, you know, whatever, cars, all that, so, back then, I was out there, I had a, I had a little section outside, so, I'm out there, I'm bringing my stuff out, I'm telling you, everything it was like time froze like everything literally like stopped no more forks no more talking it was just like over with it was just this weird serene like pause right and so I looked over and it was puff daddy well p diddy whatever you know I'm old enough that it was puff daddy so over there he was sitting on a motorcycle with some friends. They all had these big ass choppers with badass tires and everything, like big wide choppers. It was really awesome bikes. But just the fact that he was sitting at the freaking stoplight. <laughs> everybody like froze and I was just sitting there. I mean, like god, these people. But whatever. Good times. Dude, it it the this
6: cuz it's such a like confined place that you like totally run into like very high profile people. I remember I was at the W and um, go to the bath, like like there's like this like little nightclub in the back and I go to the bathroom and you know, whatever, I do my thing and I turn around to start washing my hand and the, the bathrooms are super weird, bro. Like, like they put glass dividers between it. Like it's very strange. And I look in the mirror, And I see someone, like, fixing his hair while he's doing his thing. And I'm like, who the hell does that? Super, super strange. And then he turns around and he starts, like, walking towards the sink. And I kind of do, like, the double takes that you see in the movies. And I kid you not, it's freaking Cristiano Ronaldo, bro. And he goes and he starts washing his hands right next to me. And I'm like, like, I'm just like with my jaw open, I'm like, yeah, you would be the guy that would fix his hair while, you know, doing his thing in the bathroom. Like it, like there's so many stories like that. It's just, it's a, it's a very, 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 very strange city, but I'm, I'm very happy that, um, the Bitcoin conference came to Miami beach, uh, because it, I, I think it really changed the dynamic. Miami was such a, like a, I don't know if I could say this from the the uh, an altcoin city to put it nicely. Um and, you know, I think that's like the first step into making Miami truly a Bitcoin city and very very bullish with the with the swan salons as well in Miami as well. So, yeah, Hey Nico, got to take it All over. All
3: I heard was was Ronaldo's hair actually needs to be fixed.
6: <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's it's not a uh, it's uh, it's not a legend. It's it's true. He he has hair.
4: Alex, wake up.
1: Yeah, I was wondering uh, if Alex, are we doing a a, a good uh, job of shit talking here, so you can uh, chill a little bit, get a nap, and also uh, hey to two of my favorite uh, Jacobs, producer Jacob and Neil Jacobs. What's up, guys?
7: What's up? And uh, shout out to Nico for uh, covering for me somewhat. I uh, I left the... whatever. Just thanks to Nico, man. It's great to have teamwork and uh, people who got your back. But happy to be here. Produce. Happy to have you here. Are you telling us you just fucked up somehow this morning? Yeah, it was the first time in a long time, man. But you know, stuff happens. Stuff happens. And what's funny is it coincided with Alex being super tired. So like, it's good that uh, we just threw all the... Uh, a wrench at the at the whole thing. So it's good. Hey, listen,
1: uh, Jacob, uh, you just uh, qualified to be um, full-time working on Toxicapia if you managed to fuck <laughs> up this morning. Thank you for the... Welcome to the show, buddy.
7: <laughs> You're hired. I do. Um, if we're For free, s- though. You're hired for free. Hired for free, which is, uh, it's not volunteer. You, you have to be there, but uh, yeah. Um, but Joe did come up, and uh, I just wanted to say good morning to Joe, and I uh big fan of of your what you always have to say. So, what's up man?
4: Uh good morning. Good morning. Morning, oh, Joe. Uh, what are
5: you oh, Jacob's
1: go ahead. Go
4: ahead, Neil. No, I was going to just say my uh podcast co-host, Mr. Carlos Ari. It's good to see you.
8: Good to see you, Neil. Good morning. How's everybody doing?
5: doing all right i'm getting over a cold uh but i think i'm on the back end of it so that's good and uh yeah just happy to be hanging out
3: i'm having fun stacking sacks with my stack chainer brothers and uh wondering joe when uh when is this bull market bounce going to be over and i'm going to be able to get my cheap sats again
8: I, I have no idea about uh, where Bitcoin's headed from here. I just uh, was looking at some of the economic data we got in here. That's white hot. Um, I shared a few tweets in the nest. You know, we have the strongest gain in retail restaurant retail sales since March of 2021, uh, before the pandemic was effectively over. I shared a tweet from Nick Batia about uh, retail sales ex autos rose uh, 2.6 percent month over month. Now, keep in mind, guys, this is the January number, right? Um, so this is the uh, uh, the number coming after the holiday season, which was a little bit disappointing uh, to say the least in terms of retail sales. But um, you know, white hot numbers coming out in the economic sense for for uh, January, which uh, shows you and should reinforce your base expectation that uh, the Fed probably isn't anywhere close to being done in terms of the hiking cycle. Probably got um, at minimum at this point hikes twenty uh, five bit hikes through July, probably going through the rest of the year. Uh, there's just no slowdown. It's just not coming yet. Um, that can turn quickly, right? But like uh, the recession fears that people have had since Q1 of 2022 have been uh, dead wrong.
4: So my prediction is uh, Bitcoin's price is either going to go up
5: or it's going to go down from here in the short term. But over the long term from here, it's going to go up. What if it goes sideways neil there's there's no such thing it it moves it always moves. that's just the high time preference thing sideways
7: back in the day, I was in the spaces and and Neil was like, "I buy it when it goes up, when it goes down. He was like setting all these different. It was like so funny, and it's just uh the bitcoiner's mentality you know when it's going up, you, you get fomo and when it goes down, you think cheap sats and it's like the best feeling so. I'm with you there you' trying to
5: say i'm you're trying to say I'm consistent
7: one hundred percent
2: I mean isn't that what separates like you know uh bitcoin from like the legacy uh you know like approach where you know the old in the old world you would uh you know what is it like buy the buy the rumor sell the news right or vice versa depending on your position but Here, it's by the rumor, by the news.
5: Well, I would just say, because this is a scarce, limited supply asset, you really can't compare it to like normal normal things you trade, where more can be created. Um, You know, whether it's equity or bonds, there's always more. So I just look at this through a different lens. It's a game of accumulation. There's only 21 million uh the more you get the larger piece of that pie you get it will never be diluted i mean that's fucking powerful as hell and no one could ever take that away from me if i don't want to give it up and that that it's like nothing we've ever seen before it's it's really special
2: yeah i i like listening to to how we compare like you know the macro and and what you know where's bitcoin in relation to you know different uh things in the market whatever but you know real like a little story i mean I, I have two other friends in real life who uh we all got off zero relatively around the same time and uh you know so we you know like i have my bitcoin twitter family and friends but then i also you know you'll have like your your real life friends who are sending you like text messages on the side and stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't overlap, but it provides different insights because like, for example, my friend, my two friends that I'm talking about in real life, they don't even have a Twitter account. So they're like not on Twitter. They don't go on Bitcoin talk or any of that stuff. They just like read Bitcoin standard back in the day because I made them read it. And they basically like, just, you know, like stack along, you know? So anyway, My friend sent me this text yesterday, and I don't know what he was looking at, but he said, it's amazing to me how many people in the BTC space think its price is somehow correlated to the USD or inflation. They don't have a clue, exclamation point. And I just think it's funny, you know, like hearing like the two different perspectives, because I'm in, in like Bitcoin Twitter
8: like every day, you know. And I get wrapped no, up in it just like everybody else. You you I can go say, back and look at the, the research on this. Bitcoin's price is correlated to volatility. Well, that, that's I, the, the highest correlation going yeah, back was, almost five years. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, no I, I'm sorry, Neil.
5: No, I was just gonna say that I kind of look at it as like you have the traditional financial system as like the mother, and Bitcoin is this baby attached by an umbilical cord. Um and it's still it's interconnected with the mother um, and it's going through that uh, growth stage. Uh, but one day it will be severed. Um, but in the meantime, the macro still affects, you know, the mother still affects the baby. And, um, oh, but, the ba- but the baby's growing.
0: That's a fantastic what? analogy. Only the baby is actually the Incredible Hulk. It's the Incredible Hulk baby. And, and it's <laughs> oh. growing.
8: No, These it's not. It's matter. not connected though. But, oh. but Neil, it's, it, respectfully, it's it's not connected to the registered financial system. It's just it, not. No,
5: but it's it's affected. Of course,
8: it is. Joe. Well, only, no, it's not affected at all. What I, my Bitcoin <laughs> in cold storage is not affected. No, that's that's the whole point of one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. No, 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 the no. The problem is people.
4: About, I, no, no, no,
8: Joe. I'm not talking about
5: that. It could be seized from you, or that it could move. I'm talking about like price
8: fluctuations. People percep- yeah, but... perception. It's still affected.
5: You just said, But, your price, course, but your,
8: if your price fluctuations are affected because you think in dollars, because you're thinking a Bitcoin has a USD valuation and it can fluctuate relative to dollars, but the monetary system of Bitcoin is not affected whether it's a trading at a dollar or trading at $10 million. If I yeah, send my I'm Bitcoin, not disputing that point. This is a straw
5: man. That's not what I was trying well, to well, point I, was I
8: mean, if, if, if your argument is that Bitcoin is always going to be affected... By relative to some I didn't other. Say th- that. Well, you you said, eventually
5: t- I said eventually it will not. And I'm it, not it will, it will never Bitcoin. not.
8: Because as course, long as you
5: Of course, you need humans.
8: Like no, the it,
5: price. It, like, you know what I'm saying, Joe. You
8: let let them need money for some just, like crazy just, fucking thing. No, just listen, okay? For as long as Bitcoin exists into the future, it will have a relative value against a good or service or another currency. If another currencies exist for as long as it will exist, you will be able to buy one camel with a Bitcoin. You'll be able to buy 10,000 camels with a Bitcoin. It will have a relative value and, and that will fluctuate forever. OK, that's the whole point of sound money. The question is, OK, is it right now fluctuating more violently against the dollar or will it have a more steady pairing against the dollar in the future? or will it have no pairing against the dollar because no one will no one will want to transfer their bucks for for a Bitcoin. That's the thing. So it will yeah, always you know. have some relative yeah, value. You know.
5: that, yeah, that's basically kind of what my metaphor was saying. But okay.
8: But what I'm saying is like the notion that it will never have value against some real good or service in society. I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say that. I never said yeah. that. So, so, but originally you said it's tethered to TradFi and it will always be tethered to traditional finance. It will yeah, always... I, th-
5: I, th- I think you're um, being a little pedantic here. That's all but you're a lawyer. So I'm not surprised.
8: No, I, I'm just saying for, 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 for how, wh- okay. So what does it mean when it becomes untethered from tradfi? What do you, what do you mean by that? A lot of different things. I yeah, mean, just so look how pe- a lot of people
5: look at it, they trade it. They look at correlations between like the NASDAQ and I don't think that's going to happen. Like technology in the future. I just don't. That's my thesis. People people will
9: price stocks in terms of Bitcoin. Yeah, they will absolutely
5: price stocks in terms of Bitcoin. So I think we're gonna see this separation eventually, this correlation. These
8: correlations are gonna go away. If Bitcoin becomes the global monetary reserve asset, you're absolutely gonna trade stocks against it. You're gonna say, I'm gonna get ten thousand shares of Apple for one Bitcoin. Or I'm gonna the the notion that it can never be people aren't gonna
5: sell Bitcoin into fiat. Because a stop, the equity markets went down. There won't, no, be, fiat there won't be fiat anymore. There won't Bitcoin. be fiat. They'll they'll That's sell, sell it, but
8: but it will be tied, you know, to the hip to tradfi. Maybe I
5: should have said the fiat system, not trad- tradfi. The, f- the fiat system is the mother, and Bitcoin is the baby.
8: Is that better? Yeah, I mean I think I think it's it, it's it's more on point but tradfi you know you're going to have you're going to you're going to have people that want you know you you're going to want to buy things like it will always that's that's finance they want to invest in things they want to yeah. make you know capital contributions that's yeah I think um that really wasn't I wasn't uh, disputing that
0: Okay okay it was but just I appreciate we we're going to we're going to move on we're going to move on. We've got Ryan and David up here. Good morning, guys. Do you guys have something interesting to add? <laughs> I'd love to you, hear see,
5: you see why people like to listen to our podcast, Alex. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was checking my notifications for like uh, one minute. I come back and we have this mod fight going on with Neil and Joe.
0: I'm wondering it's not a fight. Happened. No, we're
8: just talking. This is, this is oh, it this is, is a fight, Joe. No,
0: this is how they normally talk. It is a fight. They're just doing it on our show right now. <laughs> just
2: like a married couple, they still love each other.
4: Yeah, no hard feelings. Joe's can't be right all the time.
8: I'm mostly Maybe. wrong. Just, just, just always bet against my views. Yeah, I'm not perfect,
4: but I'm close to it.
8: I I'm think they just run into.
4: I'm kidding for anyone listening. I'm I'm not that uh, arrogant.
1: Neil, Neil is actually perfect, one of the few people I know that, Neil Jacobs, you're very close to perfect, lives in Florida, enjoys the sunsets, long walks on the beach. He's also single. Yes, uh, ladies. Um, multiple dating profiles.
5: Thank you for that pr- promotion. I didn't even have to pay him to say that. It's fantastic. In front of uh, probably a 99% man in this room, but I still appreciate it. and
1: well i mean neil these are modern times you know
5: yeah no different strokes for different folks it's all good
7: it is also a podcast that you guys can go download on fountain spotify or apple and it is global (laughs) so neil you never know man
5: yeah no uh hit me up slide into my dms i may i may respond i might just think you're a bot though so all right, enough of the Neil dating game. I don't know how he...
0: He's, there. ladies, he's at Neil Jacobs on Twitter. Swipe right.
5: right, ladies. <laughs> yes, it's pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy to remember. Any I.O. All
1: right, Joe, you have your hand up. Please go ahead, sir.
8: Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I uh, I don't want to change the subject, but I can of Joe's do. not
1: single. Joe's not uh,
8: single. I'm not. No, but uh, I, I think this is fascinating, this uh, offensive that Coinbase is going on in a PR campaign on Twitter to try to uh, uh, argue that stable coins are not. In fact, oh my God. Cool. It's
0: straight up fucking hilarious.
8: It is really funny. Um, so I don't know if people have thoughts about that, but I'd love to hear them. Alex, others.
0: I Okay. I have a thought, but I'm not going to elaborate. It's just simple. It's like, there's, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Just because you say something on Twitter is not a legal defense. Oh, they're so fucked.
2: This is like those people who come out and they put that tweet in their bio or whatever, where they're like, This is not financial advice. What I say is not financial advice, or even funnier, is one of the ones who, like, it used to go around on Facebook a lot where it was like, this is my content, don't share my content, and this is my response to tell everybody. Like, that's not a legal statement. And then also, I see him now doing it with the ordinal NFTs. I saw the same thing. It was like, this is an official notice on Twitter that this is my NFT and I own the copyright. It's like, it's all bullshit. So, yeah, I thought about all that same stuff whenever I saw Ryan stuff.
5: Yeah, you gonna have to follow whatever legal jurisdiction you're in. You can't just make up your own legal system. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, so you tell us, Joe, you're the attorney, does does denying something on Twitter is that a legal defense?
8: No, it's absolutely not. It's just a I didn't think it, so. it's a it's a PR campaign. That's all it all it really is. But you know, let's, let's talk about the, the crucial distinction here so far, and we'll see if we can draw some conclusions about it. So um, what Gensler has said publicly, and again, this stuff is, up. at the end of the day, the, the SEC, Gensler, they can say whatever they want, right? One of the things about our system is that ultimately the SEC does not get to decide, you know, bold and underline that statement. The SEC does not get to decide. You know who gets to decide whether something is an investment contract under the Exchange Act? A court a judge, a man who wears a black dress, he or woman, um, they get to decide and bang their gavel and say this is or is not an investment contract. Okay, That's how our system works. Um, And if you want a case in point of that, look at the position the SEC has taken about Ripple Labs. That's litigated for years now, and uh, maybe we'll get a ruling soon. But the point is with stables, okay, the SEC in their position as an enforcement body has said that if you're a stable, we don't care if you're labeling yourself as a stable. We're gonna look at the underlying. We're gonna look at the scheme that you put together. What are you holding to create the peg? Are you holding treasury bonds? Are you holding uh, you know, high yield junk bonds from China? We wanna know because depending on how you're creating this peg, that is what we're gonna to use to apply the Howie analysis. If you're holding it just cash and treasuries, okay? There is at least an argument, although I disagree with it, that what you are doing is in fact not a security. Uh, that's the argument lawyers uh, that I respect are are making. We'll see how courts interpret it. But the SEC has said, if the underlying is not just cash, okay, it's very likely it is a security. Gensler said that at the ABA banking. Uh, American Bar Association Banking Committee about a year and a half ago when they had their luncheon, he says, listen, I don't care what you label it. Labels are not dispositive. What's dispositive is the underlying that, that constitutes your peg. So it's interesting in this thread, which I'm sure was well vetted and crafted by Coinbase's legal team, that they are pointing to USDC. And they actually say in the thread, um, you know, let's unpack USDC, stable coins like USDC transmit, they, they're very positive about USDC. They, they say at the end, um, where is it? Uh, um, I can't seem to find it right now. But Oh, here. One way to peg digital currency USDC, take $1 in cash or cash equivalents for every stablecoin or other cash equivalents that back up the full value in circulation. Disclosures then drive transparency, the one-to-one backing, like USDC. So, so in other words, they're pointing to USDC's constitution, which originally wasn't all just – Cash and cash equivalents. It was other things that they were holding commercial paper. Now they've transitioned in the last year or so to being just cash and cash equivalents. They're saying that's that's how we get out. That's how we get out of the SEC's jurisdiction as being a stable. We'll see, but it's you know it's it's telling that they're pointing directly to the one stable coin that we know of that is purely cash and cash equivalents to try to escape you know potential enforcement actions by the SEC.
2: I seem to recall, I don't know if it was Coinbase, y'all might have to correct me. I, I, in my mind, I think it was them, but I seem to recall many years back whenever uh, somebody said that, uh, well, they changed up their, their terms in, in that regard. Like they, At first, they said it was all back, their stable was going to be all back by by dollars, and then they updated their website one day that it was, you know, and cash equivalent. Yeah, that was Tether originally. That was te- Tether, okay, yeah. Yeah, so maybe not Coinbase, but I just remember whenever that, that got changed, I remember everybody got all worked up about it, you know. Yeah, I saw another tweet yesterday that was, uh, it was kind of like saying that it was positioning Kraken kind of in a positive light and like as a good actor, potentially, like uh, as it relates to the, you know, regulations. And, uh, you know, shitcoinery aside, like like, uh, there was like the the tweet was kind of making it seem like uh you know the the government was going to use what they did with kraken as kind of like a playbook for you know kind of busting up this other, these other things but you know and and the fact that it was done to somebody like kraken versus one of these other exchanges uh was had some interesting like you know i, I don't know that that was the feel the, when i saw that tweet i was like wow like that is kind of interesting you know, of all the people they try to bust up first, it's like they bust up them and then they folded quickly, of course. And then now they have this like playbook that they can go place to place. What do you think about that, Joe?
8: Um, so I think that people uh, generally think that the SEC uh, and their enforcement actions are really swift and they can shut things down really quickly. Um, that is really not the case. If people are really ready to go to war with them, uh, I view like the, the presentation of all this stuff of Paxos and uh, of Coinbase trying to get out in front of this. It's kind of a little bit of preventative maintenance. It's uh, getting out in front of the PR campaign. It's not actually you know always consider your audience, right? You're you're not actually trying to dissuade or convince regulators or the SEC not to come after you because they they're not going to be persuaded by a tweet storm. Um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to tell customers, look, if they pull this stuff, it's a bunch of BS. Um, and in some ways, it's effective, right? Like there are uh, misguided folks that I know that still believe XRP is the standard and is you know going to be the global monetary layer. Um, those folks, even after the SEC filed suit, continue to find ways to try to trade this thing and mess with it, even if the, our policymakers have said, look, we believe this to be an investment contract. So so a lot of it is like, you know, I view it as PR spin, trying to get out in front of it, trying to say, yeah, Paxos isn't bad. All these other entities aren't bad. Coinbase is just trying to be inclusive and give people financial rails and development nations. And, and and so forth it, it, so that when when an, an inevitable suit comes if they face it they've already sort of planted the seed out and gotten out in front of it that's my view yeah is it a little bit of also like trying to keep the customers i mean you don't want to surely not yeah, want to bankrupt you know and like lose all that liquidity yeah they don't want people to flight fly from i mean i mean just just play out the scenario right what do you think would happen if there was a suit against Coinbase? I guarantee you um, that there will be customers who pull their funds and don't, don't you know operate there just because they're the risk averse. Now, is it going to be 90%? No. Could it be 3%, 4%? Sure. There's people that are just like, nope, I don't want to be involved with an entity that's uh, facing an enforcement action. In fact, there are some uh, professional uh, money managers that are going to have to withdraw funds if such a suit were filed.
4: Yeah, I don't know, I'm no economist, but it feels like the big
2: money would be in that camp, the ones that are more, you know, risk-averse, and, and those are the ones you don't want to leave, you know, I mean, they got a bunch of the retail dollars, too, but, you know, that's, you know, the the those people, uh, a lot of times, will just LARP in and jump into something, you know, just trying to YOLO into some kind of, uh, you know, yield or whatever, so, yeah.
5: let will see Eric's in the audience, I don't know if you guys are bringing him up yet,
7: or if you tried uh no, actually, I didn't uh see him uh just yet, but Eric, welcome and um whenever you're ready to join us, feel free to hit request to speak uh, We'd love to have you up here and hanging out with us, but no no rush, man
0: else in a rush excited
7: I try to be respectful of when people join. I don't try to spam them- ex- immediately, but I did do that with tone because I saw tone immediately and i uh I hit him. And good morning, Tone and Eric. And
5: I think you're probably overthinking it.
0: No, some people are, instant, are instantly spammed with invites. Depends on who you are. When we have guests that come in here occasionally, and it's treated more like a podcast, then uh, a lot of times they'll come in and they'll just hang out and listen just to get a feel for the room, which is completely normal.
5: I take it as flattery. But I guess everyone's different. It's all good. I'm honored that uh, you would
1: want me to
5: speak. It's a normal job.
1: And, and I just want to say that even though I requested myself, thank you so much for inviting me up. I really appreciate <laughs> it. I feel famous now. Thank you, Alex.
2: <laughs> Your star's rising, man. And it will continue to rise. People might know you one day, Anders.
0: His, egg, his eggplant is rising.
5: <laughs> Just look for the guy that's not wearing a shirt at any Bitcoin conference
0: and you'll
4: probably find him.
0: I'm oh, sorry. I couldn't resist and, and literally has an eggplant in his name on Twitter. It's hilarious. I don't understand, but I don't want to know either.
1: Look, I Six, couldn't... Uh, 6.15. Uh, okay. I'm going to come clean since we're only like you know, the three of us or four of us here, I can't really see my screen, but uh, I couldn't afford that $8 blue check. Uh, so I made this one up and told everyone it's, it's the upgraded $12 a month one uh, that you have to be specially invited to. So no one can like debunk it. But yeah, it's really about the eight bucks. I i can't afford it. It's a bear you market. Have, you have to or get a physical was. examination to get that, uh, that emoji.
4: What is that? The new 10 one? Special Twitter physical, Anders. So many insiders in the Bitcoin community.
2: Hey, Tone, were you uh, a couple weeks ago? We were talking about uh, I can't remember his name now, the the kid that was printing the 3D uh, gun uh, blueprints. Any word on that at all?
10: Yeah, no, I don't have a big update. There uh, there, There was a whole movie out. It's not officially out. I actually need to watch it
2: myself, but it's like in post-production, just about his entire story. Yeah, I got to watch that too. It's Fascinating.
10: Um, hold on, maybe
2: I have the link still
10: up on my laptop. I can just tell you and be can Google for it. Um, I think you can, like, you can watch it now. It's... Um, EncodeProductions.com. Let's see if you can pull that up if you're in front of a computer. E N C O D E
9: Productions.com. What are y'all looking for? up? Uh, yeah,
10: what, what's going on? What's happening? Oh, uh, I know. That's like the update. That's like the latest on the 3D, uh, Cody Wilson and his 3D printer gun and like him going to court and all that stuff.
4: Tone, you on the road?
9: I think you went are through we, a tunnel. Are we are we talking about somebody putting uh, the schematics of a three D printed gun in Ordinals? Is that what we're talking about? Or in, in, <laughs> no, no, I I can't. Uh, it's not coming up. It's uncodeproductions.com,
2: dot Tone, I can't. I can't get it on my phone here. Of course, my computer just went down. But it's no, it's uh, it was it ten years ago. Tone, he, he had printed the. The 3d uh printing of you know blueprints for the guns and then he was in court he's been in court for years uh and saying it's a first amendment you know second amendment uh just they've been going after him
9: can someone put those schematics on the blockchain please well there you go wicked now we're thinking fourth dimensionally no bitcoins for financial data only Hey,
10: so real quick on the whole, like I missed the beginning discussion that it seems super interesting. That's why I'm not going to comment on that. But um, since I attend and speak at a lot of these shitcoin events uh, and um, participate, I always tell them, I'm like, well, there's two problems with your NFTs. Well, the obvious one is that it's not on a decentralized blockchain, which is Bitcoin. That's the technological problem with your NFT. Uh, the other problem with your NFT is that they're just stupid. But the stupid part's debatable. The technological part, I never really saw it as debatable. So now with this whole ordinal thing, what's happening is I'm getting messages from these very high-profile, popular, uh, you know, non-bitcoiners. Let me just say that, and they really want to know more because they want to get front and center on profiting from NFTs on top of Bitcoin now that everyone's talking
2: about it. And I don't really I know bet. what to tell them. <laughs> you can tell them to get wrecked that's what I that's what I'm going to say gfy tell them to go fuck
3: themselves
9: no tell them tell them to come on through spend you know buy some satoshis spend it you can mint whatever the fuck you want on bitcoin but you have to you know do the proof of work to get the satoshis first and then you can spend them however you want Put yeah, the fuck people you want to waste your bitcoin on these yeah, things i mean like and these and people are paying 99, 1.5 99, million sacks. of them are never going to be able to sell their shitty NFT to some greater fool, and 0.01% of them will. And then that greater fool, guess what they have to do? They have to do some proof of work, buy some Bitcoin, and then buy that fucking NFT off the other guy. So, I mean, all in all, it's all about proof of work. You can't get Bitcoin for free, and you can't stop people from using Bitcoin for whatever the fuck they want.
2: But that old tweet still holds true. That's the funniest thing about this big advancement to Bitcoin, if you want to call it that is that uh you know aside from uh putting things on bitcoin's blockchain which is a whole other conversation but you know i mean remember the old tweet what is an nft and i'm gonna mess it up but it's like you know you you're you're married or whatever but you're someone else is always banging your wife but you have the marriage certificate that's the nft like remember that old tweet that shit still holds up here
9: bollocks it's garbage well, I mean, now we have ordinal theory, so we can track it. <laughs> Ordinals are garbage, too. You can't even track that shit across transactions. And there's all other kinds of questions. Like,
2: what about the whenever a miner doesn't take the full fee? What happens to those sats? Or do they just skip over those? Or what about the ones that are, like, burned forever and, like, you know, provably destroyed? What about those? Did they go over those, too? Like, you can't track them over transactions. It's a fucking LARP.
5: Thanks, Tom, for uh, bringing this
4: To the forefront again. I'm
2: just kidding. I don't know who said it. it, it, Somebody said it to me the other day, so you know I can't take credit for it. But it's the it's the best uh, explanation that I've heard yet, which is you know the like comparing it to the old star map grift of the '90s. You know, like you could buy a star on some fucking registry that somebody made up and like hope they don't go out of business or hope their competitor didn't also sell that fucking star like give me a break and this is even worse so i'm gonna find out who sent that to me because i want to give props to it because that is
9: literally like the best
2: explanation to me
9: yeah that's a good one i like that one too i remember that when that came out i i almost bought a star Is that a tweet? Ant, can you
4: stick it up in the nest? By the way,
0: I want to welcome uh, Eric Kaysen. Good morning.
4: Yo,
11: what's up? How are you guys this morning? Doing good?
2: What's up, Eric? Nice. Uh,
11: Well, on the topic of, of ordinals, I mean fees are going up that's all i would care about like put your dick on the blockchain do whatever you want and, and similar to the star registry like who knows in the in the 26th century like people people might be like having space wars over like you know the star registry one and somebody found you know 500 years later some old database so, now
4: that, like, would a, too, <laughs> that, so that would be star records that would be right. Shit. Hell yeah. yeah that's... Like maybe these piece of shit blockchain thing
11: art, they'll discover it in 5,000 years. They'll be like, whoa, it's an artifact from history. I mean- Look this... at
0: these monkeys. I can't believe they didn't blow themselves up. Imagine. Extremely
11: unlikely,
2: but you know,
11: who Who knows? And fees go up, so
2: I don't really give a shit. The representatives of the Galactic Federation show up and they're here to finally accept humanity into the into the Federation. We've made it. Whoops
4: he You own
2: they their make star he's got some kind of documentation that you own their star and you know like <laughs> no. like oh shit some,
11: somebody actually this is the second publishing of this star this guy doesn't this guy doesn't own it like nuke him quick
1: I, uh, I'm gonna take the risk of uh, saying uh, the, a very unpopular opinion but um, I mean uh, so Ordinals uh, Adam back Actually, who I think we all know and respect uh, is pro tainted uh, Bitcoin. Um, and I think, you know, it's this is not just about freaking uh, pictures on the blockchain that are useless. This is not um, like when they were doing NFTs and all these shitcoin uh, blockchains. Um, and, and Giacomo Suku who I think is kind of like the godfather of uh, toximalism, and J.W. Weatherman back when he was active, those two guys convinced me of this. I was very, and this is back um, before they were even doing like NFT, uh, like pictures on the blockchain. But, but there are some really smart people that are saying that um, there, are, there are things in this uh, tainted Bitcoin or ordinals, as I, as I understand it, that is useful. Um, but I know it's, we're not really allowed to say that because
9: what's useful is the inscriptions. The ordinals is complete hog shit.
1: Yeah.
11: Yeah. I mean, the, the inscriptions, the, the way that I look at it is, uh, if you're familiar with Picasso, like he liked to write checks to everybody just because nobody would ever actually cash the checks. They wanted to keep it for his signature. And so like, if, if you want to like write your name and, do a fucking penis doodle on a dollar and somebody wants to keep that because they really value your doodle of a penis like hey like that's their subjective value uh but there's other stuff that can be put onto those inscriptions as well or ordinals is just a methodology to try to look at those you know it's just
9: it's its own library or you keep and so to to look at them and transfer them right because without the ordinals you can't really transfer them yeah,
11: and I guarantee, like similar, because like look at the people that are coming in that are all excited about NFTs. Like these, uh, you, you know, like these aren't the brightest bulbs in the box. So I can see pretty quickly they're gonna, you know, download Coinbase, and be like, yeah, I'm transferring my ordinal to Coinbase. So I'm gonna make a billion. Hey, where's where's my where's my picture? Where'd it where'd it go? You know, and they'll they'll be like, oh, you you like you're not using an ordinal wallet. So that's like it's like a transaction fee now. They're like no, my monkey. So, you know, it's going to be really funny because it's going to be NFTs 2.0.
2: So, uh,
11: yeah, like get your popcorn
2: out and prepare to be like super entertained. Yeah, I mean, it is entertaining on that level. It, it you know, I've said that the NFT market already collapsed. Like, it already fell into itself. So, I don't it, this this dead cat bounce that we have here with with Bitcoin NFTs through Ordinals. It, it's I hope people, I hope friends of mine aren't going to get wrecked. You could say that. And I just realized something really scary about those star maps too, by the way. Like, I mean, if, I mean, we should not get that out beyond this planet. Because if aliens discover that we're like owning all these stars here,
4: look out. And, and that's how the alien genocide starts, as they think we're trying to lay claim to, to everything. So,
11: so yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, that's Don't put which, it on the
9: blockchain. Which time, we will, it. which we will, though. I mean, yes, as soon as we uh, all the the, technology. All uh,
0: they need uh, to I'm do not. is look on Netflix or whatever other thing and look at every single movie where humans encounter aliens. What well, happens? Every single movie.
9: Not to mention the very first broadcast that humans ever sent out to space.
2: Yeah, even Independence Day, where we were lost in the beginning, they came back, didn't
4: they? They got them. They got them in the end. Y'all know what I'm referencing? I won't say it. It was a very,
9: very bad speech done in the 40s. It's probably the first thing aliens saw of us. So first impressions matter and it's uh probably the reason why they're ignoring us now.
0: All right, let's uh hit announcements real quick <clears throat> and then we'll keep rolling. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we do talk about Bitcoin every day. A few things. Thoughts and prayers for Turkey, 5 million displaced, 1 million homeless. If you want to help, you can send sats, or you can send U.S. dollars. There should be some links in the nest to do that. Ah, yes. So, um, a while ago, Swan engineers built this thing called uh, Bitcoiner Jobs. And there's no, I mean... You know, we're not charging people for that. It's just like a community service thing. And lots of people are putting jobs and stuff up there. We have just built this thing. Um, If you are a professional, you have an actual business. I'm not talking about, like, uh, an agent working for a company or something like that. But you own a business, you have a business, uh, you can list it now. Like, if uh, attorneys... Tax professionals, accountants, all that kind of stuff. We're gonna we're gonna build up this huge directory. If you're interested in that, shoot me a DM. It's in beta right now. We can get you up there, get you listed. Also, Swan is sponsoring the Toxic Happy Hour Pled Party at the Miami 2023 Bitcoin Conference. Um, this is gonna be on my. Uh, this is gonna be on May 18th. There should be a link in the nest. That thing. I don't. Uh, Anders, do you have a limit on how many people can go? Is it four twenty or six fifteen? Or
1: yes, um, uh, thanks a lot for bringing it up, Alex. Uh, in in Los Angeles, we capped it at, at four twenty uh, because we thought that was funny. Um, and um, if if people know American HODL's, uh six fifteen meme, um, we have capped uh, the Miami uh, play party at six hundred and fifteen. For reasons, and if you don't know, yeah, I mean, go look. I can't even say here what it is, right? It wouldn't be nice. Um, actually, just, um, uh, I, I think, so I can now say it here. You, the announcement will be here. We um, The the location we have, I've mentioned before that it's not a good location. It's not great. It is the best location for a uh, a party that evening. It's in South Beach. It's called Rooftop Cinema Club. So it's uh, it's uh, our, us, the plebs, very own uh, VIP experience with a rooftop. Uh, the place is gorgeous. Um, there's a cinema screen. Some shit will be going on there. Um, hopefully, you'll find it entertaining. And uh, it's hey Anders, just a really cool place. I'm going to
0: let you in on a secret. I'm going to let you in on I a secret. Much. When you, when, much. No, 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 no. When you throw these events, you can't actually say where it is. Because what will happen is nobody's going to buy a ticket. Everybody's just going to show up. <laughs> you, you don't tell the location that's a secret oh <laughs> Jesus, yeah, no, that's dude. a great
1: idea let's keep it for uh for cafe bitcoin only uh now everybody knows no but uh we, we're gonna just like in uh in la uh we have tight security um so um yeah people are welcome to try
0: oh there's uh, gonna be actually a list with a name with with names and stuff huh
1: well well people need to have a ticket um and uh, uh oh yeah, right. it's very professional it's with uh, eventbrite no but actually um so the guy in charge of uh, of all of that is a uh, a friend called K man who by the way is permablocked from from twitter so he's not really here anymore um and he used to run uh LA order show for for eventbrite with a million um visitors and and I feel we're not quite there yet so I, I think I think he uh he can handle this, and you can only get up there through a, a lift, a, what do you call it elevator lift, whatever. Um, so it, it's it's pretty easy to um, secure the perimeter, as you would call it, Alex.:
0: Okay. Um, right, so we're moving into the second hour of the show. This is going to be all about Eric Kason. Eric Kason is one of my favorite bitcoiners. The first time I ran into this dude was uh, was Sue Falls. Bitcoin day. I, not, I didn't know who he was before then. And I saw this guy up on stage that was just like ranting like an MF-er. And it was so passionate. I was like, man, dude, after my own heart. Not just is he a ranner, but he's like deep, like philosophically, extremely deep. Uh, so honored to have you here today. You know, a lot of times we run these things more like a kind of an interview, but I think today, let's just talk to each other as Bitcoiners, although Eric is the honored guest, so if this was a Viking table, he would be sitting near the top, and all of you should come come by with platters full of fine meats and, and, and goblets full of great drink. Good morning, Eric, and welcome. I'm going to shut up. Everybody else, just let's talk to Eric.
11: You no, know, thank you so much. Uh, if I was at the head of the Viking table, I would be uh, like an old deaf man who'd be like, "What? What? What are you saying?" Just because I have a, a crap internet connection. My daughter came down to just say hi. Be like, "Hey, can I disturb you, Dad?" Uh, on my Bitcoin journey—I've been doing this like ten years. Uh, and like, don't boo or throw garbage at me. But so part of the beginning of my journey is I was at Coinbase from 2013 to 2017. After the block wars, I realized it was a dumpster. I mean, it was always a dumpster fire, but realized it was really going to go nuclear at that point in time. Uh, so I set off, did my own thing for a while. Uh, I was at Unching Capital for about a year. Super great company. If you guys, you know, there's a swan, you guys are friends with them. You guys know all about them. Um, but as I was going through all this, I was always just really fascinated at like what Bitcoin was doing. It seemed to be accomplishing something that like no institution, person, government, or you know, history of all banking. Like nobody's actually accomplished this. And so I was like, what the hell is going on? Like why why does Bitcoin seem to maintain its oath to its supply schedule and the inability to like steal money from you beyond anything else? And as I dug deeper into that, I realized that like this is actually a, a deeply, deeply philosophical issue that, in my opinion, is actually at like the very crux of understanding of, of what we would call philosophy, because uh, I've had some really interesting dialogues with people about this. Like, I, I very sincerely believe that in the concourse of the event of humanity's being that Bitcoin presents something radically different because value is no longer predicated upon authority and violence, but through truth and the inability of violence to be able to destroy or extract wealth vis-a-vis systematic violence. So a lot of my writings sort of deal with that topic. I'm going to be publishing a book pretty soon. I'm all finished with it. It's a compilation of all of my articles. And that's sort of laying the foundation for my next major work, which I want to be a, a holistic metaphysical approach using Heidegger's philosophy of being, to essentially establish that, like Bitcoin, is the quintessential event of uh, the metaphysics of the West, the true initiation of metaphysics, and the end of philosophy. And that these are all like large Heideggerian terms and shit. So, um, yeah, it's pretty complicated and interesting stuff, but. That's what I'm really into because uh, it seems that Bitcoin seems to be presenting a, a very radical break with the rest of modernity in a very very important
5: way Eric would you um would you kind of mind going into what led you into coinbase because I've heard you talk about it before and it's really like <clears throat> in my opinion inspirational and a lot of people might be able to relate to it just like where you were in your life if you don't want to go into that now I understand sure. but I just sure like yeah great
11: it's a pretty personal story. Essentially, uh, you know, after university, I, I bounced from tech job to tech job, doing customer support stuff, hating every moment of it, um, feeling pretty doomed and locked into it. Uh, and this is when Occupy Wall Street was going on. I started getting into that. Uh, and my first touch point with Bitcoin was like some random masked anarchist was like, hey, this this Bitcoin thing is really important, and you should investigate it and be into it um and so as occupy went on, I realized that uh it was not going to accomplish what it needed to. I fell into a really deep depression um and in that deep depression, you know like I, there there wasn't really any hope I, I was pretty sure that was it for me uh but then I looked at this Bitcoin thing I started investigating, and I was like, oh maybe this is like the the answer that I'm looking for. Um, and it took me about a year to really start grokking more and more of it. And so when Coinbase got started, I realized they were the only company I knew of that had the ACH Rails. Uh, you know, Brian and Fred seemed competent enough and what they were accomplishing. So I, I really wanted on board. Got on board, watched the company grow really dramatically. Um, you know, I feel bad because on on the support side, uh, we had a great team committed. They knew what they were doing, much more efficient than other support teams, but we just didn't get support internally for what we needed. So as the company grew more and more and more, I fell farther and farther behind. And then by the time the block size wars came about, uh, I wasn't happy with the direction the company wanted to go versus the community. And so I decided to leave at that point. Um, But yeah, within all of that, essentially finding Bitcoin gave me this really radical and different hope that helped established that there was something possible beyond the nihilism of modernity. And maybe, just maybe, if we don't screw up this Bitcoin thing, there could be hope to actually use it to try to change the world in a powerful way. So uh, thanks for asking about that, Neil. I, I uh, I hope that helps give a little background on me. And so... Really, since 2015 is when I've been trying to dive deeper into the philosophical work. And it's really interesting because it's taken me uh, across a really large span of different thinkers. But essentially, I data mine each one of them and sort of look at it through a lens of Bitcoin. And so uh, the most valuable person I've found is an Italian philosopher named Giorgio Ambigan, who has a very specific theory about uh the history of human genocide and essentially how, how states always utilize the state of emergency to conduct operations of genocide that are always predicated upon essentially wanting
3: to steal from people and legalizing it. So, speaking of thinkers in the space, uh, do you mind if I ask you a question, Eric? Uh, yes, you are. Oh, so, yeah, so, sorry, I sorry, was kind of. I just kind of jumped in. Um, speaking of um, speakers in the space, I'm curious to know, um, and this is probably a little controversial, but whatever, um, what your thoughts are on Lowry, if you think it's a nothing burger or if you think it's a, a serious attack that seems to be the two ends of that spectrum of individuals that uh, have comments about his his uh, thoughts.
11: Um, so I've only listened to one interview with Lowry. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think his... How do I say this? Um, So like him him and I approach this in in almost the exact same way. Like I I think that Bitcoin is uh, like part of war theory, but we're almost looking at it at totally different angles. Um, And so what I sort of get from his presentation is that like he sees this as a preeminent object of war that all states will eventually come to mining and securing for their own selfish needs and desires. But I think he uh, is lacking the understanding of how much more Bitcoin is similar to a shield as opposed to, you know, like a laser weaponry. Um, I would be interested in having a deep dialogue with him because he's clearly a smart guy. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, you know, he has a status. He like literally works for government and military agencies. And to me like that, that's an ethical boundary that uh, I find, frankly, confusing. Because like if you really do grok Bitcoin and see that, you know, it is this. Uh, object of peace like i'm not sure why you have a dialogue that's trying to get warmongers involved with that and in my opinion like perhaps it's part of youth perhaps it's part of uh an ideology of believing that like the the state's great and good we just need to get the right people in the right place doing the right things you know which is uh again sort of a youthful air that seems to be commonplace um I just worry in the long run that you know, like he he's got the ear of uh, powerful military individuals, and you know if he, he spooks them in the right way, it, it could become difficult. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I don't I don't think he's a malicious character. I think at 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 best he's probably just has some core misunderstandings. And from the bit that I've read into him. I do think that there is some uh, lack of some of these philosophical predications because I think he gets all of it in terms of factual uh, physics, the mathematics, the energy application. but what i'm what I'd be very interested would be actually the the core philosophical. And ethical approaches that he's using that and to tease those fully out to sort of see how that collides with his uh, ideas about the nation state military and and systematic violence. Good question.
2: Did I cut out my shitty internet?
4: Not really.
2: I think people just digest every now and then.
11: All right, that's good. My internet sucks, so like anytime that there's a, a a pause like that, I'm like, God damn it! I dropped like right in the middle of my rant. So how how anyway, is it, it that
3: the car. how is it that the tech guys who've been in Bitcoin the longest seem to have the most fucking technical problems when it comes to the internet? I just I don't understand this.
2: The plumbers' pipes are never fixed, Peter.
11: Yeah, this is because I didn't want to climb a giant tree on my property to get the the clearance that I needed for Starlink. So I just mounted it up on a big ass pole. So it goes out every fifteen seconds or so. But I've of my eight thousand projects, I'm trying to set up different nodes around the property so I don't I don't lose internet connection more frequently. But until then,
3: you guys- Eric, you've got a decentralized property. That's awesome. Well, we're we're
5: working in this direction, but you know. I got a question for Eric. You know, some people are freaking out about the inscriptions and they think it's like a threat to Bitcoin. I don't really think it's going to be a big deal in the long term, but I I'm more curious what you think is the biggest threat to Bitcoin um succeeding and seeing global adoption.
11: Uh at this point in time, you know, like the like I don't think there's anything that can stop it. Uh, I think there's various modes of methodologies to compromise it, to essentially try to shatter it through a series of different softs and hard forks that are because you can divide the community repeatedly. Um, yeah, and a lot, a lot of it has to do with trying to gut it politically to mislead about what it is as an apparatus. And to me, like the, this is similar to uh, the latest article that I had in Bitcoin Magazine called The Political. Um, And I'm of the opinion, like, Bitcoin is the singular political object that we have in the world today, because, like, it's the only thing that can actually create sustainable revolutionary change that can alter nation states, boundaries, and the methods and modes by which they function. And And there's literally nothing else on the planet at this point in time that can do the same thing because of the way that the political as the revolutionary methodology that humans have access to to alter the concourse of their life, that doesn't exist anywhere anymore. We we only have party politics and modes of implementing those party politics to try to create slow change that is always within the confines of the system. There, There currently is no methodology that we have to end the CIA. And as we've learned, even if we elect an executive president who can say, hey, the CIA is done with, he will be shot in the head and then it will be blamed on a random individual. So like that, that obviously can't work. So to me, the financial attack has to happen where fiat money goes into hyperinflation. It can't hold any of its value. The nation state no longer has the ability to issue fiat money and to be able to use the surveillance object to to tax everybody up the wazoo in order to allow for the military-industrial complex to function. Um, so at the end of the day, like I, I think that the awareness of what Bitcoin can do at its most extreme uh, is going to alert individuals, not just within the military-industrial complex, but the political system on a whole, uh, who are then going to attack it from that angle. And so essentially the social attack vector is the one that I have the greatest worry about. Um, but frankly, like there are all of us out here operating in our ways that that I think are informing people what Bitcoin really is. And I think that that's going to get louder, become more systematic and methodical and really present itself as the political standpoint of how we create change in the future. Uh, where can you get your hands up? Let's hear it man.
9: Yeah, I mean, speaking of social attack vectors, um, do you worry at all about a future where Bitcoin's been adopted and hasn't gained any efficiencies on chain and then, you know, regular plebs are pushed onto second layers? They don't have true, you know, self-custody of their Bitcoin and it kind of becomes a a bit of a walled garden, at least on the base layer.
11: Yeah, I I actually, uh, I like to like, write a lot of like just short science fictions for myself. And I, and I had this idea that essentially, you know, I'm like 2140, when the blocks of the ends that we will exist in this interesting world where like now Bitcoin is the, the super elite object that the wealthiest people in the world own, uh, like the middle class is all on, on a second layer chain where they don't have custody. And then there's probably going to be some third layer that like the poorest people have that they don't have access to. And we'll essentially rebuild all of the systems in the same way. Um, and the hope inside of that is, is that uh, this is all a pedagogical approach in terms of if you have the knowledge of how to use Bitcoin at the base layer, um, and even with opening and closing channels on Lightning and other things, while they do have some expenses, it becomes even less so. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, like this is all an educational approach, and that the the more that we show and introduce people how to use Bitcoin. At the base layer, how to use the secondary layers, how to have self custody on their own, I think that's going to both accelerate it in addition to as we expose more and more people to what Bitcoin is, like we, we have this whole plethora of thoughts to where um, like very similar with some of the discoveries that we found in cryptography over the last decade, I think there's going to be all of these very novel and interesting methods that were never considered before that's going to make doing on-chain settlement easier, quicker, faster, more thoughtful, more fluid. Um, and yeah, so I have a lot of hope for the future, but, uh, you know, we do need to maintain vigilance because there there is always the extreme danger that Bitcoin becomes depoliticized and treated just as another financial object. Um, and frankly, like we will continue to see cycles like this last one continually until people actually take possession and ownership of their coins. You know, like, I don't I don't think that this is the last round of seeing garbage like, you know, GPTC with people owning it, spending it away, gambling it. turns out they don't have it. You know, not your keys, not your coin. And that will be repeated at infinium until people actually possess their own coins and nobody can steal it from them.
7: Uh, I have a question. Uh, you were talking about uh oh, well, shit, I just to this, coffee uh can you hear me eric can you hear eric can
11: I you hear uh, read jacob? jacob now now i can hear you i probably dropped for a second. <clears throat> no it's can okay. you hear jacob talking i didn't i didn't hear jacob talking
7: yeah i just wanted to uh to get your thoughts because you said you went to university but um on just public education as a whole and like let's say there was a a 19 year old or a 20 year
11: old the fire again he, he, uh, yeah. he's
7: still
4: he's still you talking
7: but a, you don't if, hear him. if he can't hear me then no. I'll repeat
5: the question I'll repeat the question mm-hmm. after he's done Eric
7: okay, just more thoughts on education as a whole, and then uh for like the nineteen and twenty year olds who are struggling with should you go to college or should you not like what what's your thoughts on on that because you went to university and so he
5: yeah, he wants to know what your thoughts are on like nineteen or twenty year olds deciding whether they want to go to college. Because uh, he knows you went to university, uh, what your thoughts are on education as a whole?
11: Uh, education is in like a really fucked up spot, frankly. You know, like we're we're all being trained to be like 20th century worker bees when we like live in the 21st century, where things are going to be radically different. Uh, I'm going through this with my own son right now. He he's eight and you know he. he He's in a decent school, but the, you know, there are kids that are distracting and a lack of attention. And frankly, like the, the model that we currently have for education is to uh, like, it's the lowest common denominator. So like whatever moron is in your classroom, who's struggling, like you're going to get their education because they, they're they going to hold everybody back. They're going to require the remedialism that has the pedanticness and the, the repetition that goes into it that makes everybody hate school. Um, you know, like if you're particularly passionate about a subject that you think requires having a higher education and a degree for you to gain that knowledge, sure. Um, if you're not really sure what you want to do, you probably should figure that out. Or even better is just like go get a job doing whatever's going to pay you the most money and see if you do like it. If it turns out after six months that it's jiving with you, keep switching to the next thing. Um, one of the things I feel the strongest about is, is uh, like this isn't a system designed to help you. It's a system designed to uh, exploit you, you know? And like one of the things that absolutely breaks my heart is how often I run into individuals who, you know, are the same age as me, mid thirties. Uh, and then, you know, maybe they have two or three degrees. They're a quarter million dollars in debt their degree is in something absolutely fucking useless um and like no one sat them down at any point in time and said hey i understand you are deeply passionate about performance dance uh getting a master's degree in performance dance at two hundred thousand dollars in debt it, it's not a logical approach to how you should do this. you should just go open a dance studio and see how it goes um so yeah my my opinion is you should probably only go to university if you have a really core idea of what it is that you want to do and you need that education explicitly in those ways in order to pursue it. Um, If it's something a little bit more open of that, you don't know what you want to do and and you're just trying to find stuff, you know, I'm a really big fan of of go out, explore, find people that are doing stuff that you're interested in and, uh, you know, ask them about what can I do? How can, how can I get into this career? And most people are really helpful and, and want you to be successful. So, I think that that's a way better approach than, than university and specifically for stuff in Bitcoin, you know, like I, I think more than anything, like just go start building and asking people to participate, uh, do whatever work you can do. And you'll quickly find that most people are interested in, in
3: helping you out. Hey, Eric, can I push back on that a little bit? Don't you think that the, that the liberal arts college system, which has really been, um, kind of left behind, I think in, in our modern or our art, our education system today, don't you think that there's some value to that, uh, to that kind of, of process and that community?
11: um I think historically it has,
3: but I think particularly in the last twenty
11: years, it's transformed into something uh much more maniacal than I want. And so, like a, a true liberal arts education that is holistic.
9: I lost them, or did know? I lose them? Yeah, he yeah, lost stuff. Maybe it's a phone call.
2: Uh, Eric, try to restart if you, if you hear, hear this. Yeah,
9: we, we can't hear you, Eric. Yeah, I think his point is like for a quarter million
5: dollars to sink into that. Not that it's not important, right? That liberal arts isn't important. It's just to be salvaged with that kind of debt. A some lot of like that.
11: people that aren't as self-directed. They're really gonna struggle going out and finding more entrepreneurial Eric, Eric tasks. You, cut,
9: you cut out for a very long time after. Yeah, for oh. about ninety percent of that last rant. Oh,
11: don't worry. It 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 was it wasn't very uh inspirational. <laughs> more or less I said liberal arts does have value. Um
5: not for a million that... dollars of debt slavery, I guess.
11: Yeah, the the big problem is, is that uh, in the last 20 years, with the difference of how it's developed, both because of the amount of financing you need to actually get the degree, in addition to the general authoritarian structures that tend to be presented as a liberal arts education. In other words, uh, it's a banking model of they give me the right answers, I give it back to them and they approve. Uh, I don't think it's as efficient. So uh, with that being said, you know, do what you want think hard about where you want your future to go and if university is something that works for you great uh and i'd also recommend community colleges are great much less expensive and you can get a lot of exposure there so that that's a good in between as well
5: i have a question actually so go for
0: it alex isn't it also a, a division of labor uh kind of issue in that when you have wealthy societies, what it, what tends to happen is, is that you start to see a lot more specialist, so to speak, type things where you have certain types of art, you have certain types of, you know, you know, just things that probably wouldn't exist if there wasn't a lot of wealth in the society going all the way back to feudal times. Like if you wanted to be a philosopher or a scientist or an artist, you had to have a wealthy patron. And it, to me, it's a it's a when you have a massive division of labor where every, you have specialists doing everything you know, <laughs> imaginable like you know super, basket weaving whatever PhD in basket weaving, that only happens when you have a really 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 wealthy society. When you have a society that's on the opposite side of that trend, where you're having the mo- the money being debased and destroyed. Uh, and you're having these massive deflationary impulses due to technology. It seems to me that, you know, every now and then these things get cleaned out.
4: We can't hear you, Eric, if you're talking. Maybe it's just me.
0: I can't either. All right. So the pre prerequisite for the next time that we have Eric on is Ant's <laughs> going to go to his house. He's going to grab him. He's going to drag him up to the tallest tree in his property. He's going to strap him to it. Why Why Ant? Aunt? Aunt,
3: aunt has as many technical issues as Eric. Up, can, maybe you
5: can you hear us, Eric? Double. Maybe if you leave the stage and come back, Eric, you might be able to hear us better. I don't know.
3: You know, if it was anybody else, we'd say he's being censored by uh,
2: Twitter. It's true. Speaking of Starlink, did uh, what's up with Elon? Did you pull him from Ukraine, or what happened there? And now he's now he's a Russian agent. What, what did I miss there the last week or two?
12: Hey, hey everybody, uh, Neil. If you don't mind, I just want to make a real quick comment before, um, in case we launch into that conversation. Um, hey, just, um, <laughs>
4: Not to
12: man go for it uh, just a real quick one on the on the college and university thing because i've thought it thought on it a lot i don't have any degrees um my husband does and and our kids so far don't but they've learned a lot more in the style uh, they were unschooled largely and um then just more how eric was describing you know trying different jobs finding people to teach you and so on Um, And I've thought a lot about all the different angles of how it could go and how it has gone. And just two things I think are important. One is um, my husband's been able to get jobs that at some times I was actually more qualified for just because I dived really deep into the study of whatever that thing was in the previous years. But simply because I didn't have any letters behind my name and they just, you know, the job in that case required some, some degree simply like you you were just not um a candidate without some form some degree so that set me back and it made me think at times you know that I wish I would just had any fucking thing BA would have been fine literally because then I knew I could I knew I could get the job and I knew I could do the job and I knew I could do it well but I wasn't even um, up for for you know applying and then the other thing is that With people who are really entrepreneurial and just, I think it also depends on someone's character and if one's really entrepreneurial or your kid is just a go-getter kind of person um, or is open to learning how to be that, it also matters less whether they have any degrees or not. But if someone, you know, aside from obviously, if you want to be a doctor, yeah, you got to go. But but aside from those kinds of things, if you just aren't someone who's um, as entrepreneurially wired, um, I think it can be beneficial to have those letters, even if it's got nothing to do with what you end up doing. But it just opens doors in life that are not open still in our current society. Yes, it's changed a lot. And still, it's uh, sometimes an issue. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm, of course, open to feedback or to move on to to the Ukraine and start Yeah.
4: Oh, I agree. It's
5: definitely fact specific. But Eric, are you back? Yeah, my my internet is just sucky. So I'm back, though. I have a question for you. Um, As someone who used to work at Coinbase, what happened to them? If you, want, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. And what, what do you think of, like, <clears throat> Brian Armstrong not talking about Bitcoin for years, then recently coming out and talking about it? Do you think something's changed? Do they have no, like, are they just all about <clears throat> making more fiat dollars there, or do they not really understand Bitcoin? What do you think it is?
11: Uh, in all honesty, I don't think I have any particular insight. You know, like me and Brian didn't interact a lot when I was at Coinbase. Uh, I honestly think it's pretty obvious in terms of, uh, I think early on when ETH and all this other crap started to come out, there was a lot of hopium and potential and dreams that allowed for them to think, hey, like maybe all this extra crap outside of Bitcoin is, you know, the real killer app of Bitcoin. I think Bollinger came in, added, you know, 80 bajillion shit coins uh, it turned out to be kind of disastrous. The SEC watched all this from afar and pretty much was like, it seems like Bitcoin's its own thing. Seems like the rest of this stuff is securities. Uh, and I think at that point, you know, Brian decided to start speaking up about Bitcoin again because he realized like that's actually the real innovation. Um, I remember once I talked with uh Alex at river about like what they were building. And I thought it was funny. He was like, yeah, it was like when we realized that there was like no Bitcoin only exchanges, we we're like, what the hell is going on? There's like this object of extreme value and everybody's totally distracted with all this other garbage. So nobody's building anything purposeful. Um, and so you, my, my opinion is that they probably were chasing dollars. And I think as they got deeper and deeper into that, that's all that they could really see. Um, not to mention, uh, from where they stand, you know, like they're, they're, they're the bell of the ball and everybody with whatever shift coin they have wants to come and issue it to, to them and that it on their exchange. So I think it's pretty easy that they got distracted from what was going on. Um, and also interestingly enough, early on uh, there was a lot, uh, it, it was really interesting being at Coinbase early because in the beginning, it was a lot of hardcore anarchists who understood the technology and what it was going to change and create, whereas as it developed, more and more VC guys came in, more and more individuals who are from hedge funds and and investment funds uh, who saw the number of dollar signs that could be made with shitcoins. And that that transformed the culture over time. By the time that I left, you know, I was definitely in the minority of thinkers there. So I think it's just a a pretty typical corporate story, really.
2: Now I think I lost the room. No,
4: no,
11: no. No, We're all just deep, deep in thought about whether the pursuit of shit-coining for fiat money is a worthwhile endeavor. It's not, but you guys can think about it anyways.
10: Hey,
2: guys. I think am to go a little bit. Who's the – Do they sell a special guest tonight for the last 30 minutes or not today? Eric. Eric's a special Eric
10: guest. Jason, man. Oh, okay.
11: Eric. When they say special, they mean the special. I'm a special guest. Um, <laughs> so, you know – On that note, too, like I didn't study philosophy or anything like that. Uh, All of my interest in Bitcoin from this perspective is purely from a burning desire and question to understand, like, what the hell is going on? Like, how the fuck can a random anonymous individual create this wacky magic Internet money that seems to be transforming the world? And even more interestingly, as I'm like meeting more and more people like have this insane transcendental spiritual experience by them having the encounter of the radical truth that is bitcoin and them going holy shit this thing can actually maintain its oath to itself it can't change the supply the cryptography is operable it's deployed it's decentralized it's changing the lives of people in some of the poorest and most broken places in the world um and yeah, like that, that's the good shit that I'm here for, because, you know, uh, like making money is cool, but like supporting the global revolution to free humanity from the slavery of fiat is like fucking incredible.
3: Hey, Eric, what um, either what entity or or what personality do you think is is pushing the edge of, of, of Bitcoin and the Bitcoin uh, uh, ecosphere? Oh, that's a good question, and I,
11: I'm I'm not I'm not sure how to how to answer it really. Like I'm, you know, like I'm a huge fanboy of other individuals who sort of are thinking in the same direction with me, like Gigi. Um, and in all honesty, like I'm I'm the most interested in these really different and alternative thought approaches towards Bitcoin. Um, you know, so a lot of the guys that I hang out with, same thing with John Ballas, I, I really love and appreciate his approach, not just to Bitcoin, but but to these topics in general. So, um, you know, and, and with that being said, like uh, all of the development going on on the technical front by I, this is one of the things I find the most interesting is that like, quote unquote, influencers tend not to be uh, they don't have their hands deep into the guts of Bitcoin building things. And so I always find it really interesting that there are guys out there building really interesting different applications for bitcoin who a lot of people don't really know what they're up to and that that i think is super cool that there are just people out there tinkering and building and accomplishing all sorts of really different applications for how bitcoin operates and particularly like when some of these people popping up out of the woodwork at a a places like in africa i think is just amazing and it's going to be so much more interesting to see how that operates in the next decade you know like i'm i I, i'm i'm looking at india a lot actually in terms of i've seen the next five years like some major exchange and bitcoin operations are going to get going there and again it's going to create a whole nother cycle of lifting up some of the poorest people out of the poverty that's been subjected to them through fiat money I keep not knowing if I, I'm like losing everybody or if everybody's just like having thought delays similar to me. I really go get a cup of coffee.
4: No,
5: we're here.
3: I hear you so basically eric you're you're losing the game every time he who speaks first loses during a moment of silence oh is it? okay i'll ju- I just need to like hold
4: the space then all right, I'll do that then
2: yeah, I feel comfortable in the silence.
4: You coming to Bitcoin 2023, Eric? Oh yeah, I got my got
5: my tickets and everything. I actually
11: I got a change of flight here, and I didn't plan that right. But yeah, I'm going to be out there for a whole week. I'm pretty excited about it. There's a yeah, uh, it's always just really inspirational for me just meeting other Bitcoiners. Um, and almost every time that that I go to a major conference, whether it was this one or Pacific Bitcoin. I always have this moment at the end at night where like I'm going back to my hotel and I'm like, man, I'm just like so full of all of these really, really great experiences of talking with people and connecting. And uh, I I don't know, like it's really what, what keeps me going in a pretty important way. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'm excited. I hope to see most of you there and, If you guys haven't been to a bitcoin conference before i i highly recommend it it's uh uh, an inspirational experience
7: uh eric yesterday we had well can you hear me first off because last time you couldn't
11: yeah i can hear you now and i have no idea
7: why i couldn't hear you before Uh, it's all good well yesterday we actually had nvk on uh and, and d and it was a great conversation i just wanted to get your thoughts on if you have on like the q1 how that looks so cool it's kind of like a calculator with the qwerty keyboard and um just in terms of like single sig or multi-sig and like setup what's um what's your thoughts on on that
11: uh so i'm not familiar with the the most recent product from CoinKite, but i you know i have uh mk4 cold cards that i've always really enjoyed um and, and this is all like a subjective opinion. I'm a big fan of multi-sig for holding uh, a majority of your funds and making sure that you have the redundancy and, uh, you know, the ability to have multiple physical locations that you can have it secured, uh, like not using a safety deposit box explicitly. Um, so other individuals, family members, whatever. So that then you have the protection of, you know, the, the multi-sig keys in order to move stuff. Uh, and then keeping smaller amounts in other various wallets that, again, you had your own redundancy in terms of, of creating backups, making sure that those keys are secure, secured and locked down somewhere. Um, but it, it's really going to be about both your technical know-how and the amount that you're trying to protect and what your desires are for it. You know, Because for some people, just having a moon wallet that they're using to you know ship around a couple hundred stats for whatever they're doing is a great idea. Whereas maybe you need multi-sig security for larger amounts that you're using, uh, or if, you know, maybe you need to have corporate oversight or other things. So in my opinion, it's really just about the approach. But uh, I think what NDK has built in terms of the product, uh, his know-how and the approach of what they're doing, you know, it's my preferred product over everything else that's available out there. So... Um yeah, unfortunately I missed that conversation because I was doing dad stuff.
7: Yeah, it was a good uh good episode for sure because he came on. The the Q one is like a totally different look than the Mark Four, Mark Three. It's kinda like a calculator with a full keyboard on it, which is pretty awesome. But we also had this guy on named Michael Schmidt, who's doing a uh, a home water heater system with through Bitcoin miners, which is which is pretty awesome. Uh, do, Fuck you, yeah. do you get into anything like, um, engineer or any creative, like I know, uh, there's the black box and people do like heating their home with miners. Do you ever go down that rabbit hole with, um, how to use Bitcoin more creatively than, than you are now?
11: Uh, I'd really like to, I'm kind of electrically retarded, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to electrocute myself doing one of these things. Um, but the,
1: the,
11: What's going on in mining right now, in my opinion, is uh, both what's going to help permeate the next bull cycle in addition to where a lot of the really important innovation is. Because like there, there's so much potential to capture the heat that's being put out and utilizing it in different ways. Um, so like I've had a couple tweets about like I'm, I'm really bullish on the idea of Bitcoin HVAC and that like I think in the near term future, a lot of people will have their heating and air conditioning subsidized by a, by energy companies that will like straight up give people an air conditioner to use that will like have Bitcoin miners in it that will be reappropriating the heat to do that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm kind of technically retarded on the hardware front. So I will probably get to that once I have some free time next decade, but I
4: don't foresee it happening before then.
2: Yeah, it's been like a long quote unquote bear market but at the same time you know bitcoin marches on i mean these developments keep happening uh
4: you know what what is something that you're really bullish about coming up well
11: i'm i'm bullish about the tin can that uh you 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 seem to be speaking to us from maybe
0: maybe you're in outer space um, that's a robo that's hand. Yeah.
7: and i love that okay. he was the guy that's going to help eric with his connection this guy
0: yeah, sometimes ants transforms into a into a uh, an Autobot. Uh,
11: we will come out here to the Lost Coast and we'll uh, get stuff set up I, I like live out in the middle of a fucking forest so I feel fortunate that I have Starlink, but I got to cut some trees down around to help myself out with what am I the most bullish about um. It's kind of interesting because this is the first time that, like, I actually feel bullish just about the community in general. Like, I feel like the community is getting progressively stronger and stronger and stronger, and the dialogue from Bitcoiners is getting
4: more and more solid and hardened. Um, and so, like, I think this eventually just takes over by Bitcoin. Your internet's getting mad again, huh? God damn it! Stupid internet.
5: Wait, you why went, is it you're more and more, why, more why is that
11: you can hear me, Neil, but but I cut out otherwise? Anyway, oh, no, I couldn't uh, hear
5: you. That was the oh, thing. Okay. I couldn't hear you, but you were saying you're more and more bullish.
11: I, I cut out of the perfect time. I'm more and more bullish about just the community in general. Um, what I'm saying is just more solid dialogue. People understand what's going on. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like the last decade was everyone just trying to figure out what the hell was going on and like, what is Bitcoin? And so now I feel like we're, really developing in a direction that like the community itself understands the purpose and what Bitcoin is for, wants to get it in the hands of as many people as possible for us to continue to build. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like we're like halfway through the story of Bitcoin. And I think by 2030, it's going to really present itself in a global light for what we all suspect it can do, which I think has become a global money for all people everywhere and I think that'll open us up to uh some pretty different and radical potentials for humanity at this point in time particularly you know in my opinion what seems to be like the most extreme nihilism that we're in and perhaps this can rescue us from it
7: I want to say what's up to Camiem, M if I pronounce your name right but what's up man do you uh do you have a question or comment anything? Going once. Okay. Well, Eric, are you uh are you on Nostr? You you into that at all? I know you're saying you you're techni- technologically uh not uh the most up to date, but that's something mm-hmm. that the community is really into right now.
11: Yeah, more, more with hardware, I'm retarded. I'm, I'm, I'm decent with software, and I'm on Nostar. Uh, interestingly enough, from when I was originally on the Alpha, uh, the private key that I verified, it's like not working for some reason. I think there's something happening with cutting and pasting. So I made a second account. Uh, I am on there. I'm very excited about it because the Bird app is getting progressively more retarded. Um, in addition to Nostar, seems to be adding more and more features, more and people are getting onto it. Um, And these are these are the technological developments that we're absolutely desperate for, you know, like Bitcoin is is, it's one and the most powerful tool that we have in our tool belt. But like we need other things like NoStar and other methods of decentralized, secure, private communication. Uh, And so that's one of the other things that I see Bitcoin leading the development on is on this sort of ethical development of products for people well into the future. and it's really great to see something like Noster getting the the attention and development that it deserves. And I hope you know in the next few years we'll see more people building on top of that and abandoning
4: traditional social media platforms.
7: Something that I blew my mind was um, there's that Apple app called Damus. I think that's the Noster. but if you put that together, it's Nostradamus. So it's kind of mind blowing when you think about it.
11: Yes, I, I, I did see that as Nostradamus. Uh, I've also really appreciated that, that no star. I'm I'm thinking of it like no star, similar like no gods, no masters, like no star. We can we can do whatever we need to out in the space and connect ourselves accordingly with our own little spaceships out there.
9: Oh, I thought you were saying North Star. I mean that 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 works too, right? I always see it as no string.
0: It's just me. You guys cool with uh, AMA? Let's open it up. Do it. If you're in the audience and you would like to come up here and ask questions to anybody up here and Eric as well, our our honored guest at the Viking Long Table, uh, request to come up, we'll be kind to you, I promise. You can ask a question also in our Telegram group. It's t.me forward slash CafeBitcoinClub. Happy to have you.
4: How was the nap, Alex?
9: I'm working, sir.
4: Alex, are you busy taking down that uh, Chinese mill grain factory over by your house or what?
2: Eric, you um, I don't think I've heard your initial backstory. What was the, uh, I love the locker room off, by the way, you sound like a hockey player. So I love that. But what was your background growing up and what kind of led you down the, uh, you know, cypherpunk path and led you to Bitcoin?
11: Oh, good question. I guess the preliminary to the preliminary. Uh, So I grew up in a single family household. We were pretty poor. Uh, Single mom raised me. Dad wasn't around. Uh, it was a pretty liberal upbringing. And so like by the time I got to college, I was like real uh, far left, you know, identifying as socialist, communist kind of thing. Uh, Thought that if we could just collectivize in the right way, we could change everything. Got my degree in history and international relations, studied 20th century genocides. Uh, Felt very confident that like, you know, Socialism was the right way. We just had to convince the right people, get the right things in the right place. Uh, Went through the Occupy movement and had that totally crushed watching how disorganized, uh, sort of thoughtless and ill-applied everything was. And then I sort of started my own arc in reading Austrian economics and and, uh, other philosophy that started to move me off the
4: spectrum entirely. And so for me, As I educated myself more, I realized it was pretty much the exact opposite.
11: Um, And I also found in Bitcoin, there was this really, what I now understand to be like a radical fourth political theory that Bitcoin offers. That is something that is not socialism. It is not fascism. It is not liberalism. And it's extremely important because it has some of these core cypherpunk values, such as, you know, the ability to freely communicate, to be able to secure your transactions that nobody can steal or take from you. And I think specifically where we're at in the development of uh, like this hyper technological state, that these sort of cypherpunk values are going to be the only thing that can save us uh, from really what I, I consider a sort of global totalitarian uh, panopticonism panopticon being the ability to surveil everything everywhere all at once with nobody knowing or understanding if you are doing that um and so i think that there's a very pressing need for people to understand the importance of these cypherpunk values at a core level as opposed to just "you know, number go up money good let's do this so great question i appreciate
5: it i think to expand on that i think i've heard you say eric that bitcoin has like um libertarianism and socialism in it some of it but could you expand on that
11: yeah so th- this is all some of the really interesting philosophical stuff that you really got to dig pretty deep in but uh so in a lot of ways i think what bitcoin's doing is it's creating a Hegelian dialectic that essentially takes these two polar opposite tensions and combines them to create something totally new so an example of that is is that like i do think Bitcoin in its actual application in a lot of ways like is fundamentally communistic because of the way that like my Bitcoin is worth the exact same amount as your Bitcoin and has a total fungibility about it. And I have the total amount of individual rights towards my Bitcoin in the same way that you have total amount of individual rights to your Bitcoin. But very unlike communism, uh, in those extreme modes, it's like the most extreme mode of communal ownership by individuals. And so it's this very radical idea of empowering the individual through a sort of communistic aspect in the same way that uh, it combines the ideas of libertarianism with democracy. You know, so essentially, like if the community chooses to operate a 51 percent attack or a hard fork and, you know, is successful with that. That now becomes the legacy of Bitcoin through that, you know, i.e. democratic sort of means. With that being said, your private key is yours. And even if the network desires to try to steal those from you, it doesn't have the ability to do that because of the sort of cryptography that's baked into it. So I think in a lot of ways, it's taking these very extreme ideas from various political theories and combining them to give us something totally new. And in a lot of ways, in my opinion, this is very similar to the approach of the philosopher Alexander Dugan, who you've probably heard tons of hate towards this man from any mainstream media that you've heard of. They usually call him a neo fascist or a Nazi. Uh, He's also been called Putin's brain. But in a lot of ways, he's the inheritor of uh, Heidegger's philosophical approach to politics. And so he has a book called The Fourth Political Theory. I don't think you can buy it in, like, normal bookstores anymore. I'm pretty sure it's banned in most places. But he offers an excellent explanation of what The Fourth Political Theory is as essentially being something that is in between and beyond liberalism, fascism, and communism because of the way that it's taking parts of these different dead political theories and recombining them in such a way to make something totally new. Uh, And frankly, like... I think that is what Bitcoin is because it can empower individual groups of people in very radical ways and
4: give them a solidarity with each other about no one controlling the money anymore.
7: I uh, want to say, uh, well, I want to say good morning to uh, Unit Impulse and uh, Bitcoin for President. What's up, Bitcoin for President? You have your hand up. How you doing, man?
2: hey how's it going guys i was just wanted to ask uh eric uh what if he has any like top
4: three books uh i read, read a book bitcoin books but uh just wanted to pick his brain with the top ones on his last most changing his mind
11: yeah uh, in terms of books that change my mind the most, I always like to refer people to philosophical texts. And so, uh, probably the most complicated philosophical text that I would recommend is, it's called State of Exception. It's a relatively short book by Giorgio Ambigan that essentially deconstructs the idea of the political theory around the state of emergency and essentially creates a presentation that like the 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 state of emergency itself is the definitive political feature that allows for the state to always overcome whatever political rights are afforded to people. Um, and then something, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it lighter, but one of the other things that really informed my own political theory was uh, Henry throws on civil disobedience. And if you've never had an opportunity to read that, you know he, he's such a, a wonderful and eloquent writer that I think really frames the issues of what the state and taxation are and how sort of horrible they are um is really great um and then the last one i recommend if you know neither of those work for you is uh just a great novel is shogun by james clavell if you, if you haven't read it su- super my favorite book that there is and i just really appreciate the the approach towards uh what the life of samurais looked like in the 16th century japan and in a lot of ways, how that sort of applies to Bitcoiner's own ethics and ethos that I actually think is pretty important. Um, at Bitblock Boom, I gave a speech with Savetsky about this whole idea, and he, he's actually writing a, a, a book about uh, Bitcoin Bushido right now, but I think it should be pretty interesting that I'm excited to see uh, what exactly he says about it. So great question. And those, those are a few of the books I'd recommend. Appreciate it.
7: Also, want to say what's up to uh, Justin Rezivani. What's up, man? Haven't seen you here in a while. Nice to have what's
0: you. What's up? How we doing? How we doing?
2: It's a big day today.
0: What's going on with the big day, man? Nice to have you. Back yeah, there.
2: thanks. Thanks, Alex. Uh, yeah, we launched Zion V2 about an hour ago uh, on Twitter and to our audiences. So I heard you guys are having a conversation with Bitcoin news. So I just decided to come up and just let everyone know that we went live today fantastic
0: congrats dude
2: thank you man thank you yeah it's like two and a half years of building on this technology that's very hard to build on but we're here
7: yeah i'm gonna uh, link up with you after and uh we definitely gotta have you on for as a featured guest sometime and talk more about it that's worth that's extremely exciting and congratulations man it's huge i'd be
2: i'd be honored fam i'd be honored happy to help anytime
7: Uh Unit Impulse, did you did you have a question, man? What's going on? How are you doing?
13: Yeah, I just want to, to jump in on the Noster stuff. Um I, I, I don't know, I came in only about five, ten minutes ago. It seemed insufficiently bullish to me. Um this idea, you know, it's gonna take over social media. It will do that because it has what I call the super network effect, which is you take any two sort of client products and then you take the user base on each one and you get to multiply that together. Uh, in terms of the Metcalf square law. So no one else is going to be able to compete. Every developer will want to build on Noster because all the users will will be there rather than starting with zero users. But the bigger thing I'm envisioning is that you're going to see two-sided marketplaces emerge on Noster. And what that will ultimately look like is ways of managing reputation and relational contracts. So a relational contract is one that isn't actually being enforced necessarily by the state. You will have a written contract with the state, so you think, oh, this works because they're being forced to do this. Actually, it's game-theoretically stable because the future value of being able to continue engaging in transactions with that person exceeds the value of cheating at any time, so people cooperate. And so what I'm starting to think now at sort of a macro perspective is that worked really well at a tribal level. But as the world scaled and became a lot bigger, you had a lot of people that weren't having repeated interactions. So now we have a lot of deception, degeneracy, and cheating. And what I envision is that Noster might enable transferability of relational contracts. So you could actually take trust levels that you have with a, a different person and transfer that to someone else, so fungibility in those, those actors. So I, I put a poll out yesterday asking sort of, if you got an endorsement from someone that a certain person is trustworthy, how much less would you trust them than if you had uh, that sort of relationship with them? And the number was about 20% less. So I'm not sure if it can be done purely with web of trust, but I think there might be ways that, there can be costly signals through proof of transaction um, via Lightning Payments. And so as this scales, the, the, the bigger deal with that is uh, people will start being able to trust each other in economic relationships. And if they can trust each other, then there is less of a demand for sort of an authoritarian third-party control. So it, in, in a two-sided marketplace, that might seem like an app, but really what it looks like over time is less of a demand for statism and the eventual evaporation of rule of law through a monopoly on violence and just stable, self-organizing rule of law.
0: Okay. That sounds like a 30-minute or hour-long conversation, and we have about two minutes left, so I don't know how deep we're going to get into that.
13: Yeah, I'm just trying to say Nostra fixes
2: everything. Hey, Eric, um, going back a little bit ago, 10, 15 minutes ago, to that kind of your origin story and kind of how that happened, what was that transition like? I mean, from someone who grew up, um, sounds like similar age and being uh, really the absolute opposite, 180 degree perspective growing up from you, um, just in terms of political uh, thought and stuff. uh, What was that transition like to you uh, in that Bitcoin world and, and seeing Occupy from the inside and just being like, oh, my gosh, like what's going on? I think that that story is fascinating to me, just kind of that epiphany and how that looked like is I think a lot of us orange peeling people and talking to people, you're, you're from my perspective, it kind of you're, it seems like you're trying to tell people, Hey, a lot of what you thought was right is wrong, you know, correct. So it's, you're kind of making that, that, that switch and helping orange people. So what was that like for you?
11: I, I cut out just a little bit uh, on the the question, but I think I got the the general gist of it. Uh, and from, for me, it's been, it's been hard, you know, essentially I've, I've, They had to kill that old person and allow for a new person to be birthed from it and uh you know like the the hero's journey is is always going to have deep difficulties to it you know because i I still feel a lot of the same values it's just my understanding of the approach to it is really different at this point in time and frankly i'm at the place that i think politics on a whole is generally a scam and that most of us have uh, much more in common with each other we just don't understand the core issues at their base. And a great example is how many friends I have that are environmentalists. And I tell them that Bitcoin is clearly the most important technology in order to get to being a sustainable global culture. And most of them don't get it or grok it or want to go through with it. And so it it can be a difficult and lonely journey in addition to um Trying to make people understand that I feel like this technological object of money is actually a philosophical one of spiritual liberation tends to be really awkward and difficult for a lot of people to understand, which again is why it's so beautiful and wonderful to meet other Bitcoiners. You know, like I've literally met other Bitcoiners within 10 minutes of talking to each other. Like we are crying and hugging each other because we feel such a deep and soulful connection with each other about what we're sharing in and trying to accomplish. You know, it it truly is like meeting a brother from another mother who has been on the same quest as I have. So uh, early in the journey, it was very lonely and difficult. uh, And now it's like so much greater than I could have ever imagined and much more soulful and healing than I could have ever imagined. You know, like I, I, getting to come to spaces like this, contribute, have people value my thoughts, uh, really invigorates and inspires me in a way that i could have never reached beyond myself um so it's kind of a, a, a bigger answer but yeah that that transition on a whole was pretty difficult a lot of people don't see things in the same way that i do i still have a lot of contentious relationships but i've managed most of it by starting from a place of saying hey we have really different approaches and ways that we look at things i value you you value me um Please buy Bitcoin, and a lot of people have watched my journey go through this, and the saddest part is is uh, you know like I have some other friends who I grew up with who still have the same perspectives that I had that when I was younger, uh, and they're they're pretty jaded you know at having seen my success and my approach in the world, and you know the, those relationships are really hard just because of how different we see things so uh, great question
2: though I, I really appreciate it I, I hope
11: that answers it too. Let me know if you yeah, missed no. anything.
2: Yeah, it does, Eric. And I appreciate it. And, and quickly from my end, again, like I said, coming from the exact, uh, you know, 180 degree different political philosophies growing up, I've had a lot of the same exact, uh, issues with friends or family or people. And you realize, I think the the biggest thing for all of us is that nine out of 10 of us or more are, are we believe the same thing, quite honestly. And it's just politics that divides people. So I think that's brilliantly said. Thank you. All right. yeah, I'm happy to hear that too.
0: We are at the end of the show. We're out of time. Uh, Peter, you put your hand up. Neil, you came off uh, mute for a second. If you guys have something to say, be be quick. Maybe 30 seconds. And we're going to give yeah. Eric a couple minutes to make some closing com- comments, and we're going to wrap.
4: Yeah,
5: just a quick question, Eric. For someone new to Bitcoin, what resource would you direct them to
4: to start learning? Anything specific? Can you hear me? You're on mute.
7: I think I heard him say you cafe Bitcoin. Yeah,
3: hey, uh, Eric, he wanted, he wanted to know um, uh, what resource you would direct people to to learn uh, about Bitcoin.
1: Uh,
3: the best resource just for
11: for individuals to learn about Bitcoin, uh, the book I give to everybody is 21 Lessons by Gigi. Uh, you can find all of his articles and stuff for free on his website. I think it, it gives the best possible overview in the most holistic way. Um, and then for people that are more interested in my own work, I have a website that's Um, I have a great explanation for why I use crypto and not Bitcoin that I can't get into right now. I'm going to be publishing a book with Bitcoin Magazine in the near future as well that's going to comprise of all of those articles as well. Um, and just on a parting note that you know, I, I would say that What you're doing here and your investigations of Bitcoin, your participation in this, uh, like it's all actually much more important and extreme than you might believe. And I very sincerely believe at my deepest level that Bitcoin is actually an object of ontological value that is unequivalent. And that is literally a spiritual reawakening people of what the truth means in the darkest and most nihilistic time that humanity has ever encountered and what it means for truth to return to its rightful place at the hierarchy of value in human society and in the world on a whole. So uh, thanks for hosting Cafe Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, I look forward to the next round.
0: Nails it. Man, pure fire. I agree with that hundred percent. All signal. Eric, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, Thanks, Justin, for coming up. Thanks for all the uh, speakers for hanging out. That's a wrap. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news. Preferred hanging out for some of the smartest minds in the industry. We talk about Bitcoin every single day on here. You're welcome to hang out. It's a great place to learn. We do it live on Twitter Spaces. If you can't catch a live show, it is also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. Uh, thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of this show, my crew, and Peter Sats for Life, producer Jacob. I'm your host, Alex Danzik. I work with Swan. If you want to know more, shoot me a DM. Happy to help you. Thanks again to the speakers who come here today and every day. Appreciate you guys deeply. Everybody get on the mission. If you don't know what that means, if you just hang out listening to the show, you'll figure it out. Love all you guys. Everybody go out there and have a great day today. And crush it.